is this the perfect time to talk about loneliness for those of us with secure incomes and comfortable homes maybe there is a sense of solitude now that we are supposed to be socially and physically distancing ourselves from the rest of the world but there might still be loneliness maybe it peaks out only sometimes alerting you of its presence when you least expect it maybe you're away from a support system you carefully set up or away from a life that lets you read your loneliness as solitude but is this a feeling that is just yours to ponder over an individual lives are caught up in a world with a history our troubles constantly intersecting with issues of the world these are not my terms to be honest i read the short essay the promise by sociologist c right mills only a few years ago and its simplicity has a lot to say our personal lives are plagued with troubles problems that are open to our personal experience issues however are problems of groups of such individual lives and a lot to do with the organization of these lives by developing what mills calls a sociological imagination we can look for the issues that outline our problems for example if i was unemployed i can say that that is a personal trouble considering my experience or my lack of skill or my unemployability it's a problem i'll have to remedy myself but if lakhs of people in a country are unemployed which is kind of the case right now the solution to such an issue is not in the hands of the unemployed individuals mills writes that this means that the very structure of opportunities has collapsed this very short essay is quite eye opening simply written and full of examples i would recommend you go check it out there's a link in the description but meanwhile i'm not really going to go into what sparked a personal interest in loneliness although of course as always the personal becomes political over the last few weeks on some days i let myself lie in bed with books that i picked because of how somber they sounded hoping that they would mirror my mood and make me feel less alone loneliness became a motif a living presence dissected by a scholar trying to understand the epidemic of loneliness a fiction writer's protagonist who yearns to be left alone and loved at the same time a writer trying to deal with her own loneliness in the artist's city or a poet revealing her chronic loneliness in her journals but is loneliness a feminist issue can i justify it to be so but to be honest anything that involves exclusion isolation and suffering can be a feminist issue especially if it points to some kind of a structural damage to society caused by patriarchy even before the covid-19 pandemic there was some research on loneliness as an epidemic as an affliction that should be of great concern for public health as an emotion loneliness remains somewhat invisible and ignored it does not appear among what is considered what are considered the six basic emotions disgust sadness happiness fear anger surprise so for one thing our language does not allow for loneliness to be described in the way that sadness is described but in this way how did language really slowly allow for a concept like loneliness to exist in her book titled a biography of loneliness fay alberti says that as a concept loneliness only became a way to describe a recognizable experience after the 1800s when the idea of the individual became more pre- prevalent alberti argues that uh, the de- de- argues that this is due to the decreasing importance of religion 
and the industrial revolution how can you be lonely in the overwhelming presence of god but more importantly she is pointing to the way in which the individual mind became a unit in the sciences in philosophy and in politics and really she finds that the mention of the term loneliness only really occurs after this time increasing right up till now there is also the notion that loneliness is purely mental it get li- it gets linked to other pathologized mental states like depression and anxiety there is a reason that allopathic medicine separates the mind and the body in this way it has a lot to do with how the science of medicine developed in the 19th century but before we go into the social consequences of loneliness we have to ask how do we even define loneliness olivia lang in her book titled the lonely city writes what does it feel like to be lonely it feels like being hungry like being hungry when everyone around you is readying for a feast it feels shameful and alarming and over time these feelings radiate outwards making the lonely person increasingly isolated increasingly estranged loneliness is difficult to confess difficult too to categorize like depression a state with which it often intersects it can run deep in the fabric of the person as much a part of one's being as laughing easily or having red hair then again it can be transient lapping in and out in reaction to external circumstances like the loneliness that follows on the heels of a bereavement breakup or change in social circles it has been said emphatically that loneliness serves no purpose that it is a chronic disease without redeeming features statements like this have a more than a casual link with the belief that our whole purpose is as coupled creatures or that happiness can or should be a permanent position let's be clear here loneliness is not solitude solitude may be pleasurable on some days and yet it may take the form of loneliness the next moment You can see this if you read Sylvia Plath's journals. She finds herself absolutely lonely, a misfit at her college at the age of 20, yearning for company, but also expressing extreme possessiveness of her time alone. She constantly expresses her desire to be part of what she understands to be the world of men, where she is free to talk to anyone as deeply as she can. But she writes that all she can be is an outsider to this world, at least a world that has kept its gate, gates shut in part this reminds me of virginia woolf seething with anger when she finds that she is not allowed entry into a library at oxford because she is an alone woman that world is kept closed to her and she vows never to ask to be let in again this was probably the kind of loneliness that joe hopper faced nine mentions in her book joe was edward hopper's wife Many of the women in Edward Hopper's paintings are modeled after Jo. Jo was an artist herself, but poured considerable energy in tending to her husband's career. Edward, a famous painter himself, was firmly opposed to her career, discouraging or mocking anything that she created. He was also highly competitive, starting to work on a new painting when Jo would start. Jo was Hopper's companion for over 40 years. After Edward's death, she donated all of his art and her own works to the Whitney Museum of American Art in 1968 after joe died the museum destroyed all her paintings the last cry of the undervaluing of women's art that she faced her entire life 
Of course, the idea of not being lonely is rooted in the idea of a home, surrounded by tokens of domesticity, your food, your things, your life, which is probably why Alberti is concerned about loneliness as a disease that runs more deeply in our society, affecting some more than others, specifically those without a home. We might find ourselves to be less lonely in our rooms, with our table, surrounded by books that we picked out. What does home mean to you? Maybe it means your dinner table, laid out with a feast. Maybe it means sitting with a group of close friends, with junk food, but it's still comforting. There's no greater loneliness than rootlessness. And today, homelessness is a growing issue across the world. Our cities are increasingly hostile towards homeless people. Benches are adorned with spikes or removed entirely so that the homeless do not have a place to rest. There's a link in the description that goes into more detail about this. Governments, including in the Indian government, continue to cut funding to housing benefit or welfare reforms and there is a severe lack of affordable housing in places where employment can be found as well. Clearly, homelessness, in part, is due to the fact that many individuals or groups do not have any network that can help them get a roof over their head. It is a gendered and a class-based phenomenon. The reasons for why men and women are homeless are entirely different. Up to 70% of the homeless have some kind of mental health issues and they are caught in the vicious cycle of deprivation and dependency. Of course, considering the kind of problems faced by the homeless, loneliness features very low on the list. But social alienation and loneliness may be a part of the reason for homelessness. Let us take Valerie Solanas for instance. In 1963, in the US, Betty Friedan wrote a very reasonable book, The Feminine Mystique. This was the second wave in feminism, a time when it was required by law to not discriminate people on the basis of race and gender. This was also the time when the US saw the opening of its first women's shelter. Solanas, during this atmosphere, wrote a book called The Scum Manifesto. She was also an open lesbian in the 1950s, a time when the climate was still very conservative, even in major cities. In the book, she blames the male sex for all violence, work, boredom, prejudice, moral systems, isolation, government, war, even death. The book is insane. It is horrifying. And, it, and yet, it is not without its fair share of insights. Scum was against the entire system. It was radical, forceful, and it demanded an upheaval of what Solanas thought was a horrible world. She was against law and government itself. This was, so to speak, isolation. She owed nothing to anyone, and her th thoughts provoked people to isolate her even further. She was weird. And yes, she writes about isolation in her book as well. In part, she blames men for flinging women apart and away from each other, to labor within atomized, atomized families. She sold 2,000 copies by herself, out on the street, charging $1 from women and 2 from men. It was here that she met the artist Andy Warhol, whom she later pursued to, pers to produce her plays. But Solanas was paranoid. She was paranoid about signing contracts with any publisher, wondering if she had signed away all her words completely. She felt like they were always out to get her, that she could see oppression of women anywhere she looked, that society always, always excluded and sidelined women. Yeah, she was paranoid. 
But how wrong was she? This was also in 1968, the time when Joe Hopper's paintings were being destroyed at the Whitney Museum. So we have to ask, how wrong was she really? Solana's had a troubled childhood. She had a violent, abusive relationship with all her closest relatives, and she had run away from them at a very young age. At 15, she was homeless. When she moved to New York later, she earned money by begging and sex work. After the 1960s, her relationship with Andy Warhol became worse and worse. And this was also the time when she traveled around the country, poor and homeless, constantly being evicted from welfare hotels and shelters. It was in 1968 that she shot and almost killed Andy Warhol. I will not go into the details of the incident, but it left Warhol scarred for life, of course. Solanas herself was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and served a sentence alongside some time at a psychiatric hospital. She had herself turned uh, she, she had turned herself into the police. The Daily News that day ran the headlines, actress shoots Sandy Warhol. The evening edition of the story included a correction from her. I'm a writer, I'm not an actress. After being in and out of prison many times, Solana spent most of her life After this, homeless and broke in New York. She was frequently spat at and thrown out of cafes. Lang writes, quote, The loneliness of the second half of Solanas's life was a product of many factors. The most obvious and frequently stated was her growing loss of touch with consensual reality. Paranoia is isolating in itself by its own mechanisms of mistrust and withdrawal, but it also carries a stigma. as does time spent in prison people pick up on these perceived markers of abnormality they sidestep the street mutterer and shun the former criminal isolating them if not submitting them to actual violence what i'm trying to say is that the vicious circle by which loneliness proceeds does not happen in isolation but rather as an interplay between individual and the society in which they are embedded a process perhaps worsened if they are already a sharp critique of that society's inequalities Sylvia Plath writes God but life is loneliness despite all the opiates despite the shrill tinsel gaiety of parties with no purpose despite the false grinning faces we all wear and when at last you find someone to whom you can you feel you can pour out your soul you stop in shock at the words you utter They are so rusty, so ugly, so meaningless and feeble from being kept in a small, cramped dark inside you for so long. Yes, there is joy, fulfillment and companionship. But the loneliness of the soul in its appalling self-consciousness is horrible and overpowering. End quote. Plath in her journals is in a constant state of worry, especially about whether she was performing well, whether she was good enough to be published, if she was getting enough sleep. Punctuated by these worries, she expresses love for the objects in her vicinity, and we can assume that material things gave her the comfort that she was unable to get from the people in her life. She fell desperately in love with Ted Hughes, who she eventually married, and it might seem that that would have made her loneliness disappear, but at the time she felt the loneliness even more acutely, saying that it was like finding a diamond mine and having no one to tell. A lot of research about single people and loneliness has to do with elderly and generally as a result of widowhood. Memory and nostalgia can be a remedy for acute loneliness. 
remembering relationships and social connections that existed but no longer do can bring relief to stinging pain but those suffering from chronic loneliness do not feel the restorative value of memory perhaps because they think that those bonds never existed in the book my year of rest and relaxation the protagonist finds herself in such a situation she talks a lot about her best friend reva many times with words almost bordering on hatred it almost makes you wonder why she's even friends with her but after she gets better you see her change her words become full of love again she attempts to reach out to reva again but it may have been too late at the beginning of the book it almost seems like she's seeing a version of the relationship that isn't real perhaps in her loneliness and rage she sees reva her friend feels very little and therefore misplaces anger she has for herself onto her closest friend that's it i'll come back to loneliness among the elderly which remains a public health issue particularly because across the world the idea is that aging is a social responsibility and has nothing to do with the government interestingly alberti writes that feelings of loneliness even in a crowd rather than simply the state of being socially isolated are actually seen as a predictor of dementia these feelings of loneliness are a precursor to issues later associated with aging so these must be mitigated early on in life itself it almost seems that in the modern world we are so afraid of being old and lonely that we try to stay young as long as possible we are obsessed with youth the old woman becomes the old crone the knowledgeable wise woman or the older cat lady who raises patriarchal fears about undesirable but powerful women these women are associated with witchery in many parts of the world in myths in folklore similarly old men are ridiculed for being feminized losing strength both physically and socially when was the last time we ever saw old bodies in popular culture gray hair heavy wrinkles drooping breasts erectile dysfunction folding skin in a way that did not insult the body with the advent of an industrialized economy during the industrial revolution work shifted outside of the home and into the factories before this older members of the family lived in the house much like how it is in most parts of india of course this is not about celebrating this older kind of society older people remain neglected even within families more often than we care to admit in modern society aged people are considered economic liabilities and really this is the essence this is built into our homes into our hospitals the latter where the geriatric ward remains separate from the rest this may make economic sense to keep all the older people together but it makes very little emotional sense of course aging and loneliness is gendered and affect different genders differently traditionally the social networks of men depend on their place of employment bringing status as well as income retirement may then provoke feelings of loss and loneliness this is true for working women as well married women on the other hand have social networks in the family as well so when widowed or single old women remain the poorest members of society and they are kept socially isolated even within families this is when loneliness becomes a health issue henry darger also lived a lonely life when he was a child his mother passed away soon after he was sent to an asylum for feeble minded children 
After running away from here at the age of 17, he got a job as a janitor at the Catholic's Hospital in Chicago. He worked there for nearly 6 decades, sweeping floors. He also lived in Chicago, and when he was 80, he was moved to a hospital because of poor health. He had lived in the same place for over 50 years, and his landlord, Nathan Lerner, an accomplished and famous photographer, went to empty out Darger's apartment. He found a bound work of over 15,000 pages, typed densely. In addition to this, he found hundreds of watercolor paintings that illustrated his fantasy stories. Some of the paintings were around 30 feet wide and painted on both sides. It was later found that Darger had been creating these works over the last 60 years of his life, never showing it to anyone. Fortunately, his landlord saw the merit in his work and he became really famous, although posthumously. His work is the most popular in the category of outsider art, art which is created by someone who is a self-taught artist and who has little to no contact with the mainstream world of art. It had been around the start of his job when he was 17 that he had begun work on his fantasy world and there is no way of knowing how long he had been thinking about it in his lonely time. He was born in 1892. and at the time it was believed that physical affection was actually detrimental for the health and development of children it was only in the 1950s that harry harlow and some other psychologists performed several experiments with monkeys to study isolation in animals for this one of the experiments he did was to leave infant monkeys in isolation chambers for 24 months after which pretty much all of them of course came through quite disturbed His experiments were controversial and inhuman but for Harlow it was important to do to change the treatment that human children received he was trying to prove the importance of affection and social connection in the 1960s um which is a little after Harry Harlow was actively working Mary Ainsworth was also writing about what we now understand to be attachment theory that an individual's thoughts and expectations from all relationships in adulthood and later had to do with their experiences with their parents whether their parents were attentive or affectionate or cold and so on but when darger was a child all this was not common knowledge he spent his childhood at an asylum possibly being physically and mentally abused themes that show up quite often in his work as well as far as solanas and darger are concerned can we say that structures such as families governments schools had no role in the isolation that they experienced to say that their deprivation and isolation could be explained by their mental illnesses would be cruel and wrong the position they occupied in society forced them to become outcasts because there was no space in that culture for people like them well i could conclude by letting these questions linger loneliness the absolute feeling of social isolation is not simply personal it is a complex phenomenon which is a result of the world we live in where of course patriarchy plays a role today loneliness is thought of as a medicalized condition so maybe someday soon we will have pills for loneliness the way we do for depression or anxiety and of course for many this comes with the promise of a life that is livable but while this may be the case we must not forget that loneliness is not an inevitable part of human condition it is a product of our culture if we constantly get the information that old age is to be feared that we should be afraid of the loneliness that comes with it then old age definitely becomes that which induces anxiety but the good news is 
that loneliness is not always destructive sometimes it is creative and eye opening it is probably the only way for spiritual reflection we need to keep our ears close to our feelings of loneliness because it is about us calling out for our needs that need tending and for how we want ourselves to be seen in the world